0: Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My thought, my question for today is, I, I just wonder if, if we as Christians, followers of Christ, really understand what we are here for. Do we as a church, do we as a congregation, a gathering of followers of Christ, do we understand really what we are here for, what we're designed to do? The next couple of Sundays, we're going to talk about this phrase or this idea of going beyond borders, and we're going to find out what it is that God has called us and just reminds us of what we're really here for, what we're here to do individually and as a gathering, a congregation of people. I, I heard a story years ago, and I share it with you. You may have, you may have heard it yourself, but there's a, uh, there's a famous cathedral in London Called St. Paul's Cathedral, amazing, built in the early 1700s, still exists today, still uh, holding and and people go to see it. But the story was told that when it was being built, and it was built by a very famous architect, mathematician, a politician in the day, his name was Sir Christopher Wren, and this man was the architect as well as the designer, and and he he brought this together and there was a reporter supposedly that came and was asking the builders questions, And the simple question was to the the builders, according to this story, what are you doing here? That's what he asked them. The first man he came to, according to his article, he said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm I'm here putting this brick in this hole. What does it look like? It's quite obvious, right? Came to the second man, he said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm making a living. I'm I'm bringing money home to my family. He came to the third man, and his answer supposedly was this, I'm here helping Sir Christopher Wren build St. Paul's Cathedral. It's a difference in perspective, isn't it? What are we really here to do? Are we as Christians just here kind of, you know, kind of biding our time? We're just waiting for something better to come along. Or are we maybe doing what we have to do? We're getting through the day. We're kind of going about our motions. Or have we recognized the fact that God has a higher design for us? There is something that we are to be doing while we're here. And I suggest to you today that we're going to see in the scriptures that what we are called to do is to finish A work that Jesus actually started. When we talk about going beyond borders, we're talking about finishing something that Jesus, and and he now gives us the opportunity to have a part in this. Now, now let's let's make sure we understand. We we talk about Jesus and his work, and, and we often use the phrase in church about the finished work of Jesus. And that's very important. That's something we should talk about because there was something that Jesus finished, and that work was the work of redemption, the work of bringing salvation. In fact, on the cross, what was one of the last things that Jesus said? Three words It is finished which means the plan of salvation, the work of bringing mankind into relationship with God, the way that that can happen, it is finished. My death and, and ultimately his burial and resurrection, that finished that work. That is done. There's nothing we can add to that. For you to come to heaven, for you to know forgiveness, for you to know Jesus and, and a relationship with God, it comes through that. And that was finished. You don't add to that. You don't say, well, it's Jesus plus I'll do some work and, and I'll do, be a better person. I'll turn over a new it's, It is finished. Salvation was done with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and all you have to do is receive that gift. It's, it's something that was actually finished. That is the finished work of Jesus. But I suggest to you that Jesus left something unfinished when he, when he left this earth. We're going to be looking in the book of Acts, chapter number 1 today. Some of you, this is a familiar passage, but I, I, I want to look as we, we start this, this particular chapter. Verse number 1. Luke, who's the writer of this book, says in my former book, Theophilus, in the former book, this means this is, this is a sequel. This is book number two in a series that Luke has written. And the other, if you're familiar, you would recognize as the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote that we know of two books that are in the Scriptures. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and now his sequel is, is Acts, or as it continues on. He says, I'm writing based off this former book, and look at this. I wrote about all that Jesus, look at this next phrase, began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. What Jesus began to do and teach. That means that in these these days, following his death, his burial, and his resurrection, there's a period of about 40 days where Jesus walked this earth with his disciples. And in those 40 days, he began something. He started something. And he got something moving. He began a process moving, a, a procedure, something going. And he says this is something that Jesus began to do. And the truth is, it's not finished yet. In fact, we're going to find in verse number 9 and 11 that this work will become finished when Jesus comes back. Jesus will leave in verse number 9. He leaves, but his disciples see it, and he says this same Jesus is coming back. So we have from the time Jesus started this work until the time that he comes back to this earth, there's a work that he began, and it's not done yet. And that work that he began is a work that he then gives to these disciples, these these guys in this room and the others that are going to follow. He says, this is the work that I started, and now my job that I have for you is to finish that, to complete it, to continue the work that I have started. As you look through the scriptures, but specifically the book of Acts, you're going to find that a lot of these people, they, they grasped it, they understood that they were a part of a continuing work, that there was something that, that God had called them to do. Well, the Apostle Paul, who will come in the, about chapter number nine and beyond, and the Apostle Paul, it, towards the, uh, later in his career, he's, he's going to a place called Jerusalem. That's a familiar place, but he's been told all the way along, warned by God, by, uh, by prophets, that you go there and it's not going to be pleasant, Paul. In fact, you're going to suffer persecution, and you're going to be in prison. You're, you're going to have chains. All and He knew all of this was coming, and he said, but that, that's okay. In fact, chapter 20 and verse number 24, listen to what Paul said. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Look at this. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul recognized Jesus started something, and he's passed that on to me, and it doesn't matter what, what happens to me. My life, you know, my comfort, my joy, that really is insignificant. What, it, what happens to me, my personal where, I'm, I'm expendable. My place here on earth is to finish what Jesus started, and he allowed me to have a part in. That's, that's the work that God has called Paul, and that, it helps make another verse make even more sense to me. Jesus, on the last night before he goes to the cross, is talking in several just very powerful conversations with his disciples. Chapter number 14, verse number 12, he says to them, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Now look at this. "and And they will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. He'll do the work. That he's been doing, and then he's going to do even. I, you know what? I, every time I read this, and we had a series about it a couple of years ago. Every time I read this, I I'm amazed. But can you imagine the guys hearing this amazed? They had seen Jesus do all these incredible things that they knew they could not even do anything that would compare to that. And he's actually saying you're going to do greater things, greater things than these. Now, there's probably several reasons, or several things that that would go to. But let me. Let me suggest to you what Jesus is going to tell us in these these next few verses, what some greater things means, that these disciples were gonna do greater things than Jesus. Give you an idea. When Jesus lived here on this earth for the three years he did his ministry, he pretty much he pretty much limited himself to a small area, not only of the world, but of his even his own country. What we see if Jesus travels is he basically went from Jerusalem in the area of Jerusalem to Galilee, into Capernaum, where he kind of grew up. And that's a distance of maybe 90 miles along the Jordan River, and he, he popped in a, a place or two, but his majority of his time was spent in that little corridor of about 90 miles, and he spent three years basically in those places, very localized. And by his own admission, he also focused, for the most part, on his people, on the Jews. He said, I am here, to first of all, to talk to, the, to my own people, to the Jews. So for three years, he spent in this area, and he spoke specifically to the Jewish peoples. But what Jesus began in Acts chapter 1 and what he's going to begin to unfold is that I want to take what I've been doing and I want to bust out the borders. I want to take it to more place. You're going to be able to do greater things than me, disciples, because you're you're not going to be localized here to this 90-mile stretch. Your influence is going to begin to expand to the whole world. And it's going to make that kind of an impact and not just to the Jews. It's going to... So that's when we come to Acts chapter 1 again, the work that he began, and he says he's going to finish, and then he's going to come to this verse that may be familiar to many of you, but I want you to hear it again. Jesus will say to these guys, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses, greater things, here he says, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He has now smashed through the borders of where he has been in his ministry, and now he's taking this, making it global in, in what in what he has for them to do. So this is what he's getting to, but he'll already say if if you go back the verse before, verse number six, we we know that that it in these guys. Even all that they had seen, it was kind of easy to get distracted. Here, listen to what they said. There, just before he says that, they said, Then they gathered and they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom? Is this it? They're looking forward, and they're saying we can't wait for all this to happen. And he said, "It's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father has set by His own authority." He, there are sometimes, as Christians, we get distracted by, you know, I, I I can't wait for the Lord to come. I can't. We shouldn't. That should be something all high on our priority. We we get distracted by just busyness or by doing whatever. All of whatever it is, we have this tendency to be distracted. And he says, "Guys, listen. Don't worry about the times. God will take care of that. Don't worry. don't, don't worry about that." and then verse 8 but he says you will he said his point is this but you will and then he tells him this is what you're here to do don't worry about the time you can look you can be fascinated you can study that's fantastic don't get distracted because you are here for a reason you as disciples are here to do something he says but you and, and just those three words he said the, the you will is very emphatic he says, this isn't about, you know, this isn't an option. This isn't, this is what I kind of think would be nice. This is what I have met you here to do. I began a work and you're going to continue it. You as my disciples, you will, he says, be the, the next cog. You are the one that will move this on. You will finish the work. I, I want to walk through that verse today. I just kind of unpack it a little bit and, and give you an idea of where, what it meant to them And then how that then means, what that then means to us. 21st century, 2,000 years removed from this day, it's still just as relevant to each one of us sitting in this room. But let's look at what he said to them first. He says, but you will be my witnesses. Very interesting phrase. Everybody knows what a, a witness is, correct? A witness is simply someone who basically saw something, experienced something, and then shares that. Okay, you've been called into court right? You are a witness for the prosecution or a witness for the defense. It means that you saw, you experienced, and you're giving testimony to what you personally were privy to, what you personally saw. Kind of interesting. We were just talking about this the other day. If if, if four of us in this room saw uh, an accident, we were all standing on four corners of the same street, we'd all probably give a shade different story because of our perspective. But the truth is, we're all witnesses. So what he's saying is, gentlemen, you are going to be my my witnesses, you're going to talk, to, you're going to talk about me. What, what, what is it that they're going to be witnesses to? So let's back up in Acts. Go back to verse number 3, Acts 1-3. He says, after his sufferings, Luke says, he presented himself, that's Jesus, he presented himself to them. And he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Look at this verse. This is powerful, guys. This, is, it, th- this gives us what the witness is about. He starts off with after his suffering. That was after his cross. These disciples had been there and saw him die. They saw him uh, arrested. They saw what happened. They, they, they were They were uh, from a distance, saw him buried, all these things. They saw his suffering happen, but then what's great is, and then he presented himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. They saw him die, but then for the last 40 days, they've, they've talked with a dead man. A man who was put in a grave came back to life, and they've had conversations with him, and he's showing them says, "Look at the look at the scars in my hands. I'm, I'm talk, I can eat fish. I'm real. I'm alive." For forty days they saw him die. Now they saw him alive, and then they heard him teach, and he instructed them about the kingdom of God. So what do you! You're my witnesses. Witnesses of what? The death. The burial and resurrection of Jesus and all that he is teaching you about the kingdom, that's, that's the good news. That's what they're witnesses to. That's what God has called them to talk about. And so when we go back to Acts 20, which Paul talked about, uh, we, we just read it. Listen, to, let me finish this verse. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is that task, Paul? Look at this. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What were they witnesses to? They were witnesses to the fact that Jesus died and was buried and rose again for their sins. That God's grace had given them a place, an opportunity of eternal life. And now he's teaching them that the kingdom of God is real. And it's here and it's now and it's forever. And, he's te- and that, that's what they're witnesses to. They've seen it. They've experienced it. Now you're to be my witnesses. We've we got to make sure we keep this in mind. In all we talk about going down borders and sharing our faith. The the focus of the gospel is so critical that we keep in mind what God has told us to share. The death, the burial, the resurrection, his kingdom. Here's what I mean. God did not call them, in, in his final words, to feed the poor, to house the homeless. Now, he said, do those things. But when you do those things, that is to be the atmosphere in which you live. That is to be the life in which you... But ultimately... The the call that I have is you're to share the grace of God, the eternal news that God died for your sins and rose again. That's ultimately what every human being needs, whether they're young, old, whether they have everything or they have nothing. Still, we all have the same issue. We're sinners that need salvation. And if we have everything on this earth and we die without Jesus... We spend eternity in a place called hell. That's the news of the gospel. That's what we have to make sure. So here's a quote that I want you just to kind of think about for a moment. The gospel must always be wrapped in compassion. Here's what you've heard the phrase. They don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Right? We, we must take the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for our sins, and we need to take that as we're feeding and as we're housing and as we're loving on people. That's how we wrap the gospel in that compassion. I had one of our missionaries tell me one time, I, I, wanted to, I want to share the gospel with these children, but, but I, I'm afraid they couldn't hear the gospel because their stomachs were growling too loud. So first, I gave them food to fill their bellies, and then I gave them the word of God to tell them those. Do you understand? It's wrapped in compassion. Everything we do, we're feeding, we're housing, we're helping. But never forget that ultimately we have to not only be wrapped in compassion, it's got to be fueled by, it, by urgency, that their time is short, that they what they need, they need it now. And the time I have, I need to do it now. And then finally, and, but always with a clear focus on what's the biggest issue here. The fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Have you received that gift? Do you know him as your savior? That's the witnesses that he's called us up. You will be my witnesses. In order to do that, here's what he said first. You will receive power. Now think with me for a moment. Okay, just just imagine this. One of the greats that we've heard of, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, right? One of his famous paintings was the Mona Lisa, right? Okay, so... Let's say that that you and I are living in that time and Da Vinci comes to me and he's painted this beautiful picture and the Mona Lisa is all done except for the face. And he comes to me and he puts his arm around me and he hands me his brushes and he said, sir, I want you to finish this picture. (laughs) That's hilarious, okay? Have you seen my drawings, right? Stick drawings, you still have trouble figuring out what they are, okay? For me to finish the Mona Lisa makes absolutely no sense at all. But what if in that minute he says, but here's what will happen. And he puts his arms and he puts his hands around mine and he says, you just let me guide the brushes. I'll do the painting, but I want your hands to be involved in the work. Do you realize, Christians, that's what God has said to us. You and I can't do this. We can't save anybody, we can't change anybody's life, but he's called us to be a part of a masterpiece. And so he will give us the resources. If we'll surrender to him and his power and his spirit, he'll put, he'll put our hands in his, and he'll do the work. He's just asking, he's just telling us, but you, it's your effort. I've called you to do this, to be a part in this masterpiece. And so what does he do? He said, you will have power. You will have the resources. You will have the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we're walking through this verse, verse number four. He already said that once before. He said, do not, go, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift the father's promised verse 5 for john baptized with water but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the holy spirit you're going to be immersed in the power of god this is a job we can't do christians a job they couldn't do but with the power of the holy spirit they could in the power of the holy spirit they could they could get it done and Paul will also tell us later that it's not only the Holy Spirit's power within us that, that we do this work, but he asked, actually said in Romans 1.16 that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. The same word for power, the Holy Spirit gives us power. The, the word of God, the truth, is power. That's what We are witnesses, but we're witnesses with this powerful truth that's empowered by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We can. The, 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 he's saying to these disciples, guys, I'm sending you on an impossible mission, but I'm going to give you the resources to do it. It's impossible. You can't do this, but I'm going to give you the power to make it possible. I'm going to empower you to do what God wants you to do. So he says, you'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on, you'll be my witnesses. But now I want to talk about these next few phrases. Because Jesus, in these next few words, breaks through the borders. He says, I want you to be witnesses in, and look, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Two things Jesus tells us in those last words, at least two, but I want to share these. One is, you will be my witnesses anywhere and everywhere. Okay, let's think. This verse, literally, there's a geographical evidence here. Those are all literal places. He says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Those are all literal places. Ends of the earth is, is, is broad, but it's still a little, it's somewhere on the earth that we see. He's talking about a literal place. Uh, what, what we know from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, this is kind of a, a outline, a table of contents, if you would, for the rest of the book of Acts. Let me show you what happens. These disciples did exactly what Jesus said. I'm going to give it to you real quick. From chapters 2 through 7 of Acts, they, do, they go to Jerusalem. They are in Jerusalem, they're doing ministry in Jerusalem, the church has 3,000 people saved the first service, 5,000 people saved later, this church is exploding, they're doing work in Jerusalem for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts. But starting in chapter 8, through verse number 12, the, the the narrative actually moves and now they begin to work in Judea and Samaria they actually their location that they're still working in Jerusalem but now their location broadens to Judea and so, literal names they actually say and they went into Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria but then starting in chapter 13 through the rest of the book they then move past Samaria on to the ends of the earth what they knew of the world at that time they end up going into into what we know as turkey into asia minor and into greece and into italy and they take a, they the from what they knew of the world they actually now take it just like jesus said they started jerusalem and they move out to the ends of the world so literally what he's saying i want you to go with the places that you are now and the places where you're going to go to And even to some places you may never have seen yet, I want you to take and be a witness in those places. So, this is, go anywhere and everywhere, you're to be witnesses. But understand, that's not all that that verse is saying. He's also saying, I want you to be witnesses to anyone and everyone. Let me explain that. If you're going anywhere and everywhere you got to understand that you're going to be meeting different people along that. that when, when we're talking about globalization of being a witness, we're not just talking about pinpoints on a map, like on your phone. We're not just talking about geography. It had to do with that. But understand, he's now going to talk about you're going to have to also be witnesses across cultural, racial boundaries. And, and I, I promise you that this was harder for those loyal Jewish men than going to a different place because they had such, such high um, ideals about their Jewish purity of who they were and their, their thoughts that this was now hard. But let me show you this is exactly what happens. Chapter 2, verse number 5. Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation, under that first service where the 3,000 people are saved is primarily a Jewish service audience, Jews that have been Jews. So this first group is just like he said, you're going to go to Jerusalem, which happened to be the, the Jews. You're going to start there. That's where Jesus started. Everything starts right there. That's how Jesus had said it would. But as we move on and, and persecution now erupts in Jerusalem and, and the disciples, apostles that are there, the Bible says they become scattered And we go to chapter 8 and verse number 4, and look what it says. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and Philip went down to a city in where? Samaria, and proclaimed the gospel there. Now, again, that's a a point on the map. Samaria is a region of, of that world, of Judea, and to get where Jesus traveled when he went from Jerusalem to Galilee, the fastest route would be to go through this place called Samaria. But here's what we know from history is many of the the Jews, the devout Jews, would do whatever they could to avoid Samaria. It wasn't because they didn't like the place, the land wasn't so bad, they didn't like the people. So this, when God says to the apostles, you're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, he's talking now about some people they would refer to as the Samaritans. They were considered a half-breed group of Jews. They they let the Babylonians come in, and they were now this. And the Jews wanted to have nothing to do with them. They considered them, uh, you know, the lowest caste of their society. And and it wasn't just googling their. That he's now saying, "I want you to take the gospel to, to these people that, you're maybe not even real fond of." Some people that are kind of out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to go beyond the borders of not only Jerusalem, but you have to go beyond the borders of racism and hatred and things that you don't even like these people. So we're now moving to not just anywhere, but any anyone. But even to make it even bigger, Peter, who was in that room, and Peter was probably one of the most loyal Jews based on his words, is going to be introduced to a man, and, and this it's going to change his life. Chapter 10 and verse number 1 a Caesarea, a man named Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, he came, and he was not only, Ro- he was of the Italian regiment. So we're talking a guy from Italy, I mean, you know, what's up, dude? You know, it's you've got this whole Italian regiment thing, and this is a, this is a Roman? Okay, hold on. If you even go on the next chapter, some of them went to Antioch, they began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Do you understand what's happening here? They're not only moving to different locations, they're now speaking to, the, this would be the group we would. They, Jews would refer to as the Gentiles. Anybody that wasn't Jew, and, and even the Samaritans were ha- there, but anybody outside, even lower disdain than the Samaritans they would have disdain for the Gentiles. They weren't allowed to, they were not supposed to eat with the Gentiles. They weren't supposed to hang out with the Gentiles. This was a, a racial boundary that they, they didn't want to, even though God wanted, they didn't want to cross that one. Here's what Jesus is telling them. I'm sending you to Jerusalem, the Jews. I'm sending you to Judea and the Samaritans. And I'm also sending you to the ends of the earth that's going to include a bunch of Gentiles that you don't want to have anything to do with. It's to, you're to take the gospel to anyone and everyone. So when Paul writes in Romans 1, 16 again, I'm not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God to salvation for anyone who believes, notice what he throws in at the end of that, first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles take this gospel to anyone and everyone, anywhere and everywhere, this verse tells us that that's what God's call is for all, is that in fact, Jesus had said in Mark 16, I love this translation, just kind of summarize it, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone That's essentially what Jesus said. Go go everywhere, tell everyone. Wherever you go, there's a person that needs Jesus. Doesn't matter who they are, what they look like, tell them. Doesn't matter if you're here, if you're walking down the street, if you're walking in another country, when you go, go to visit relatives for the vacation, anywhere and everywhere, tell people the good news about Jesus and what he's done for us. Okay, so this is where it gets interesting. Some of you have already started Connect the Dots, but let's make sure that we do that before we move on. This work Jesus began in Acts chapter 1. He said this is a work he began in those 40 days. And that work we know will finish whenever he comes back. So it's been 2,000 years. Jesus started a work. And since he hasn't returned yet, the work's not done. Now, those disciples that he talked to there in that first chapter of Acts, they're long gone. They've been dead and buried for literally uh, millennia. two millennium, they're, they're gone. But throughout the ages, ever since then, every time new people that have come to Jesus and become his disciples, and that moves through the centuries and moves through the decades, and it comes down to we're sitting in an auditorium in Taylorville, Illinois, never even heard of from where they were then, and we're sitting in this auditorium, and those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus Christ, guess what? The work isn't finished, and we're the ones who are to complete it. As disciples of Jesus, this has come to the point where everything Jesus just said to them, go anywhere and everywhere, tell anyone and everyone, he's saying that to us. We, we are the ones that, he's, that, that that work is still ongoing, and we are the ones that are here to finish it. Why are we here? You will be my witnesses. That's what God has called you and I as followers of Christ to do, to be. This is a a reminder for some of us. It's a poignant reminder that that's what God has called me to do. Some of you, you may never have heard this before. You never really understood that God said that that you're here for for a reason more than just to to take up space and to kind of learn and to grow. That's all important. But you are here to be a, a witness. So whether this is your first time grasping this or this is a reminder to you, what we're understanding is this is still for us let's take this beyond borders thing and let's just move it to there you will be my witnesses beyond the borders of geography so god wherever you go wherever you find yourself going this week whether it's here some of you may be traveling some of you maybe you go from here to springfield every day here to decatur every day wherever you travel some of you are going to take vacations in a few weeks or a few months wherever you go everywhere wherever the geography takes you god says you're my witness You will be my witness wherever you go, beyond the borders of geography, beyond the borders of your tradition and your routine. Those people that that maybe you wouldn't normally talk to or maybe it's just a person that kind of comes in your life and it's not normally a part of your day and maybe maybe you have nothing against them, maybe you're not even real fond of them, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You are a witness wherever you go and to whomever you meet. Anywhere, everywhere, anyone, everyone, God has called us to be a witness, and I've got to make sure you understand this, that's going to take you beyond the borders of comfort and convenience. What I'm asking you to consider that Jesus called us to do is going to be one of the most difficult things we do because we're fighting a battle and there's an enemy that doesn't want us to do this. There are people whose minds do not understand the gospel, so we're bringing them fresh, sometimes odd news. God says, you'll be my witnesses, and that's going to make it uncomfortable. It's going to make it in, inconvenient, even possibly dangerous. Do you understand? Let me, one word up here in our verse, the word witnesses, is actually the word that we in English would pronounce martyr. Does that ring a bell? What a martyr is in our ideas is someone who's died for what they believe. Now, when that word was first used, it simply meant someone who gave a witness. It was a legal term. But over the years, what happens with these Christians is their witness became a death sentence. It became, their lives were in danger. So over time, this word witness began to actually mean someone who would die for their faith. This witness is it's going to take you beyond, you're going to have to say something that may be embarrassing. You're going to have to speak up to someone about Jesus when you're, 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 you're kind of hesitant, when you're not real confident. Because Jesus said, you're my witness. You have the power. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You have the gospel. You have the truth. You have all that you need. But you're going to have to step out beyond the borders of your comfort zone and be a witness. Could it be dangerous? Could be. Could it be embarrassing? Absolutely. But God is saying we move beyond the borders of what we know is our norm and let God use us. So, that being said, how does that look in our lives? I I want to make this as just as down to earth practical as possible. Some of you, like I said, this is new to you. Some of you, you know it, and you're like me, this is a struggle. It's not easy, I get that, and so sometimes I struggle with it. So wh- how do we know? L- what can we learn from this verse that can help us to do what God is? We're here to be witnesses. So what can we learn from this verse that will help us? L- let's look at those words in, in a whole different way, and i want to share with you three things as we wrap up. Number one, begin with your immediate circle of influence. Start with the people right now in your life. G- leave here understanding this those people you meet on a daily basis those people that you surround yourself with that's not an accident god has given you what, there there's some of you that i believe god may call and young and medium age whatever you want to call that i believe god's going to call some folks out of our church to go around the world as he has before but here's the truth every one of you have a mission field and that mission field is the people you're going to see on a regular basis it can be your family it's going to be your neighbors it's going to be your coworkers it's going to be the, the person that cuts your hair every couple of weeks, right? It's going to be there are people in your life who you talk to, you have conversations with, and God wants, that's where you start. Begin to see that those people are the folks God wants me, that there's not an accident. I'm, I may be the only light in the circle. Some people say, oh, I, I don't, where I work is so hard. I'm the only Christian there. And, and I would say to you, congratulations, you're the lighthouse in the middle of a dark sea. God has put you there for a reason. And if you'll let your light shine, you could make an impact that would change the world. That, that's what God has called us. Start with right where you are. There, there's a story in Luke. Jesus has um, healed a man, and this man was, the, nobody wanted him around because he was just, he was crazy, demon-possessed. And, and Jesus heals him. And the man, after the healing, he wants to hang out with Jesus. Who wouldn't? The man who just changed his life. But I want you to see what Jesus said to him. Sir, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. What are you going to be a witness of? You didn't see Jesus die on a cross or rise again, no. But have you had him save you? Has he forgiven you of your sins? Has the resurrected Jesus changed your life? Do you now have heaven as your home to be when you die? Do you you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? So go tell somebody what he's done for you. He said, go home and tell those that you're going to meet, tell them what I did for you. That's what God is calling us. The people you're going to meet before this, you're going to meet some folks. Before you leave, before you finish, get home today. You're going to meet somebody in a restaurant, a friend, a neighbor. God says, what can you do? to show them me, to be a witness for for me to those people. Some people w- would say that there's a myth that floats around and says, well, people really are interested in spiritual things. Absolutely untrue. Now, they may not... Think the same spiritual way that you do, but people talk about, they, they have this curiosity at the very least. So when they do, why not use what you know about Jesus and share Christ with them? Here's a statistic several years ago, so I know the numbers are, are, are still true, but probably different. There was polled 65 million Americans who said they didn't go to church ever. But of that 65 million, over 35 million of them said, but I would go if somebody asked me. Over half of them are just—you have 35 million people are waiting for you to ask them to come to church. When I say these things, I look right at myself. Why would I? Why would I go past that person that cuts my hair and not just give the invite, give an opportunity? When we talk about when spiritual things come up, then then I share what Jesus has done. From why wouldn't I do that? These people need Jesus. Start from right where you're at. Let let me give you a couple thoughts. Here's what I would encourage you to do. You can use your notes today and write it on there or, or a separate piece of paper. But if you haven't done this recently, write down five people in your life who need Jesus, who you're pretty sure they need Jesus. I, I don't know if they go to church. It doesn't matter. But from what all testimony, they, they've not yet come to say, write those names down. Make that your list that you begin to pray for every day and ask God to give you opportunities and ways to show them the faith of Jesus, to be a witness to them. Make a list, number one. Make an appointment, number two. Call them. Be intentional. You start the spiritual conversation. Say, man, you know, we've, we've been friends forever. I, I just want you to know I go to this church there. I wanted, Do you have any questions about I, However that conversation, but make a list and make an appointment. Start with the people in your immediate circle. That's your Jerusalem. Now, let's move out number two. Be aware aware and available for divine appointments. Judea and Samaria meant they were going to places they weren't real familiar with, and along that way, the the story of chapter 8 of Acts is incredible. Uh, Philip goes, and he, just wherever he went, he'd start sharing the gospel. People would, things, lives would change, and then God would send him. He talked to this eunuch out in the middle of the desert, and then he came back and talked. He's just, he was going, and he'd never been there before probably. He's just moving, and as he meets, as God brings people across his path, he says, so I'm a witness, so what do I do? I, I witness. I tell people about who Jesus is. It's it's realizing that God orchestrates opportunities every day in your life. It may not be the people you're going to hang around with all the time, but maybe it's the person that, at the, the restaurant or the person that, that bags your groceries or the person that, that, that you, you just... Uh, the other day, Shelley and I, a few months back, we were talking this guy. We were driving a car to see if maybe we wanted to buy it. And so this, this young man gets in, and he's all trying to sell us a car. And he, boy, we have a captive audience now, right, poor guy? So he's sitting in the back seat, and we start talking about church, and and rather and, and I'm be honest, this is not easy for me. I always, what are they going to do? You saw his countenance change, and he starts saying, "You know what? My mom's has been telling me to go to church for a long time, and I used to go to church, and boy, I need to get back." I was like, "Yes, that was a divine appointment. That was somebody that God put in my car. Well, it wasn't even my car, just put in a car with me." And and and, and be honest, six times out of ten, I miss that opportunity. I'm just, I, I do it. I, sometimes I'm just not aware. I don't see. Oh, and then they walk out. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I? A guy came to get gas the other day. And, and Josh has been so good just kind of reminding me of this. And so I went and filled up his car with gas. But before we left, I, I talked to him about God. I gave him a track. I shared because I, I'm starting to see. I'm starting to become more aware. Do you understand? It may, you may not have that, be that bold, but God's going to bring today, bring this week, some divine appointments. And you're going to look back over the week and you think, wow, that was interesting. God's going to say, yeah, that was yours. I gave that an opportunity. Be aware and available for those divine appointments. Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There are people that you don't even know their name, but they need hope. And you might be the one that can just share with them that there is hope. You take one of those invite cards out of the chair that Josh talks about every week and you just hand it to the guy and say, listen, I, I don't know you, but if you're not going to church on Easter, how God come with us? We just want to, we just, God loves you. I, I just want you to know that. And it's, It can be as simple as starting with that invite, that idea of just planting a seed of what the hope that you have in Jesus, right? Start in your immediate influence. Be ready because you're going to get some divine appointments. That's your Judea and Samaria. But let me give you number three, be involved at a global level. I want you to read that verse with me again. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That wasn't multiple choice. You're going to be my witnesses here, maybe here, maybe. He seems to give this idea that this is for, some of the folks that heard this message that Jesus gave, some of them, as far as we know from history, may never have left Jerusalem. Some of you may never leave truly Taylorville or our surrounding areas. Some of you don't want to, and I get that. You, well, I don't get that, but I, some of you would never leave this area. I get, it's not a. This is geography, but just because you they never left Jerusalem, he still get, said, "But you're to have a global vision, that you are to be involved around the world, even if you never leave your home." If you never leave your hometown, you still can have a global impact. The, the gospel, the great commission that Jesus gave us was a global commission. It was something that physically you may be, God. What may, if God says go, go. But if he never sends you somewhere, you still have this global message that Jesus has given us. It, what we refer to as the great commission. We share it many times, Matthew chapter 28. Listen to this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And, we, and that's, the, that's the thing. We're, that's what we're to do. But never miss those next three words. Of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. The, the Great Commission is we are to be making an impact here. We're to be making an impact around us. And we're to be making an impact around the world all at the same time. I have people often say, you know, well, I appreciate your heart about missions, but we've got so many needs right here. And I'll say, I do not disagree. There are people all around. Just with, I could throw a rock at houses and hit people who need Jesus. I, I wouldn't do that, but I could, right? That's, we know they're all around us. But Jesus didn't say just the ones that you can touch and see. He says, you're to go to all nations. So, yes, reach the ones next door, reach the ones in your country, and then somehow reach around the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's what all these flags are about. That's what we're talking about in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have missionaries here from three different countries, Peru, Thailand, and Honduras next week. They're, they're going because God has called them to go. And, and again, I would say there's some in this room that I think God may be tapping on your shoulder. He, he has that in mind for you to go some, some place geographically and take the gospel. But here's what I want you to understand. As a church... We have, we have the opportunity to have a global impact from sitting right here on this church on a Sunday morning. These missionaries you're going to meet, you're going to get to know them and you're going to hear about them, but you have an opportunity. We, as a church, we support over 60 missionaries around the world on a monthly basis. We support church planners here in the United States, and and we support local missions. That's what we call our, that's what missions is. In fact, that that connection card that Josh mentioned is a little bigger this week. On on that side, that's just something for you to pray about, because that's how we we get involved. By praying for our missionaries, we get involved, and we give every week, and we give every month to missions, because we're not only reaching our community and reaching our united, we're reaching around the world. I really believe God wants us to have this kind of a a global feel, a global vision of what he has. So I would challenge you, take that card home, pray about it this week. How would God want me to be involved as far as a church in in sending missions around the world, this this global impact? All right, so we'll finish up today with that thought we started with, finishing what Jesus started. Jesus gave them, these are some of his last words probably right before he said what we read in Acts, but we're to... Go and make disciples of all nations. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. Finish what he started. That's what God has called us to do. That's what he, is, that's what he is, has in mind for us to do. But let me just take in, I want to f- wrap up that f- first chapter of Acts, or that section that we've been studying. Acts chapter number 1, Jesus tells in verse number 8, they're to go. And then look what happens in verse number 9. And after he said this, So as far as we know, these were some, if not his very last words to them. He was taken up from before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, that was pretty cool. Jesus is there talking to him, and he's gone. They saw him leave, and they're looking up, watching this. Verse 10, they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. We assume they're angels. Verse 11, they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same manner you have seen him go into heaven. You see what he just said? Jesus began a work. He said, this work we know will finish when he comes back. So, since he's not come back yet, gentlemen, why are you standing right here? you got a job to do. Why are you standing looking up in the sky? Why are you right here? you got a job to do. And Christians, I would ask us the same thing. God has called me God has called you, God has called us to be witnesses. Jerusalem, the people we know. Judea, Samaria, the people we're going to meet this week. The ends of the earth, all around the world. So what are we, why aren't we doing that? What's stopping us from being the witnesses God has has called us to be? I want to share with you this morning, I got a text from a pastor friend. And if you know my pastor friend, then... This, this would all make kind of sense to you. But um, as he said this, but I, I just wanted to share it with you. He, he always gives us encouragement. He's just a friend that shares these things with us. But then he ends his thing this way. And my friend, you got to hear Here's a pastor. Listen to what he said. So let's get up, shake off the cobwebs, and go kick some kingdom booty in the name of Jesus. Now that's, you got to understand, my friend. But listen to what he says. It's time to throat punch the devil. Let's go. That's basically what those angels said in first century words. It's time to make a difference. So what are we still standing here for? Christians, you've got the power. You've got the story. God has changed your life. You've got the gospel. So let's go throat punch the devil and make a difference this week. Let's be the witnesses he's called us to be. Share that faith with someone even before this day. so I got a couple prayers I want you to consider today one some of you in this room it's very possible you've not yet prayed to receive Christ as your savior you've not truly received the gift of eternal life that Jesus died for the work that he finished your salvation your forgiveness so my challenge my encouragement to you is why not today God I'm a sinner I recognize that you died for me Forgive me. I want to follow you with my life. But if you're a follower of Christ, those of you who know him, let me encourage you with a prayer. Those names I talked about, if you haven't written them down yet, maybe you spend the next couple minutes when we pray and write down one or two or five names and begin to pray for them every day this week. God, bring them to Jesus and show me how you want me to help in that. Guide my hands to show them how they could come to Jesus. And then maybe you'll pray and say, God, and give me the courage to just to say something this week to somebody. If it's just hand them an invite, it's just to tell them that Jesus loves them, somehow have the courage to speak to someone this week. And I also want you to pray, could God be calling you to go? Could God be calling you and saying, hey, this, this is a great location, but I really have you in mind somewhere else. If he did, would you be willing to follow that? Would you be willing to go where he's called you? And then last, pray about how can I be involved with missions here at Calvary Baptist Church?